welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm joined with my good buddies, Ethan Huffman and Alton Beltry. Guys, it has been a couple of weeks since we have last talked, and I, I just want to say, because we're talking about the NBA trade deadline today, I was appalled, nay, offended, that DeLon Wright, the DeLon Wright trade was not included on the dock today, guys. Just, just a, a completely offended that the, one of the most important trades was was not included. What do you have to say for yourselves? Well, um, Ethan had nothing to do with the doc. <laughs> it was all me. I thought we'd be better off discussing uh, how the NBA uh, pulled some strings to not allow them uh, one Lamarcus Aldridge to join the Heat. I'd rather get on that. No, it's, it's a fair it's a fair um, analysis by you. It's definitely more important to talk about how the Heat were getting potentially too good of players for giving up nothing, and because the Heat have had a you know levels of success years prior, the uh, David Stern from the grave uh, pulled the strings. Adam Silver did not want the Heat to make the finals again. Yeah, he's he's over it. He wants he the net. Like, he's not a man about the culture. We know this. Mm-mm. Well. Um, so with, with, with conspiracy theories aside, um, we're now here to talk about, I guess, not all of the NBA trades, but most, I'm going to put an asterisk in the title of the pod, just so you know, like the NBA trade, you know, trade deadline trades or or things like an asterisk there, because he didn't include all of them, DeLon Wright, Corey Joseph, slander, but we're going to talk about some buyout guys here to begin with and, uh, you know, things, things that we've heard, maybe they're not all official, but you know where we think what we've heard up to this point, and then we're going to talk about um, some of the major trades. I, I can't even use that, because how are we, how are we going to include Nemanja Bialica, um or, or the Nicolo Melli tra- trade and not include Delano? It's okay. We're, we're going to keep it on. We're, we're going to keep it going here. I'm, I'm going to try to I love this. I love this, Richard. Here. I love this. I love all this animosity. Listen, we, 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 we've been... We, we, we've missed for two weeks. We're back. And we got to come back hot. Okay. Um, buyouts. Basically just big men and uh, apparently Austin Rivers. We were recording this at uh, 10.06 a.m. Pacific time. And and so I, there have been four major uh, names that have hit the buyout market. And, uh, you know, go, going to various places. We already mentioned one of them. LaMarcus Aldridge denied from going to the Miami Heat, heading instead to, for some reason, play alongside, behind, next to, in front of another washed player, Blake Griffin. So I, I don't I don't totally uh, understand this, this one. I don't necessarily think that it makes tons of sense. I don't know how much time we want to spend in these bio guys, but I feel like it would behoove us to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond. Uh, does this make sense? I don't. I don't think it makes sense for Lamarcus Aldridge if he's trying to get out there and make more money in his career. I think it makes sense for him if he's trying to, you know, position himself as best possible to win a championship. And I think that's what the root of the thing is here. Like we're looking at Lamarcus Aldridge as a guy who definitely is not helping defenses anymore. Like he's just he's just very he's very slow, and offensively, like he's a guy who. I personally think would help a team that is a little bit more stuck in the mud because, okay, uh, we're struggling. LaMarcus, try your, 
traditional post-up real quick. See if we can just get the lid off the basket. Uh, the Nets don't need that either. Um, I kind of look at it the same way I looked at Blake Griffin, even though Blake Griffin at least like has a propensity to play make. Um, it's it's kind of a luxury for this team because personally the best big man on this team is Dick Claxton, and it's been that way since the year started. He, Jared he just wasn't healthy, so um, I look at it like that. It's it's not a lot of playing time. It's not a lot of it's not a very important role. But the Nets got to be the title favorites right now and. If I'm the Marcus, I'm like, well, let me win this chip real quick, and maybe I'll get one more, one more crack at it, just making some money elsewhere. Man, Bruce Brown slander. He's been. I I I, I kind of had a feeling that's what that face was about, but like that that that's what I, I mean, because you know you know my love for Nick Claxton as well. Like we we've we've been on that train for for a while. Um, no, but yeah, you're, you're right. I I don't view this as being a real needle mover. It seems like he might have surveyed the NBA and was like. They're a starting role out there for me. No. So if I'm going to come off the bench, let it be for a team maybe who's going to win. I just don't see the real upside for the Brooklyn Nets themselves. Elkin, do you, do, I mean, this is, do you see any value for the Nets to have him on top of all the other guys that they have? It's almost like the Nets were – it's almost like they're playing a game of keep away. They're like, if we don't want him anywhere else, so we're just going to go ahead and just bring him on in. Because at this point, I always think to myself, we always get to this time of the season where you have the buyout guys. Like, when was the last time a buyout guy had a major impact on a playoff team in the playoffs? Markeith Morris closing games for the Los Angeles Lakers last year. I mean, they, they, I mean it's not, not major, right? He threw the ball away on, on, you know, on that, one of those like, possessions. And... I, think, I think what I get to is, I mean, buyout guys, uh, I think you guys come almost alluded to even the list of buyout guys that we have, like, we expect them to be, I mean, they're decent guys. Like, obviously, LaMarcus Aldridge, he's he's a little washed, but he isn't a bum. But at the same time, kind of look at it as, like, the Nets are just trying to play keep away for now. That's all I can think of. Just like, I, I actually did read a report. Someone tried arguing that the Nets should also go for Andre Drummond just so they can keep him away from the Lakers. Hmm. I was like, I think the thing about buyout, guys, we have to remember is it's almost 100% based on who the superstar you're joining is. And, like, we think about the 76ers who got Bellinelli and Ilyasova. They went and surrounded a Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, two guys who create a lot of three-point shots. And with that in mind, that is going to enable, like, those guys that have really effective roles for that team. We're looking at Andre Drummond going in to kind of, like, duplicate the uh, Dwight Howard role from last year. That's going to be kind of significant when we're talking about completing the regular season, potentially really significant as we're talking about t- minutes without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Like, that, that's the key, right? Like, none of these guys are actually big-time needle movers. And if because if they were, someone would have been able to trade for them. Now, the grand, the huge contracts of LaMarcus, Blake, and Andre Drummond made that more difficult. But if they were, if I, I do believe, if they were true needle movers, someone would have sorted it out. See, like, I don't know if I believe that necessarily 100% because Kyle Lowry's a needle mover. But a trade couldn't come to fruition because the the difference in well if like for example the lakers and the uh sixers were the two main teams along with miami heat miami heat had some you know small salary or sorry some some, some, some mid salaries they could package together whereas with those other two teams uh you really couldn't you were going to be sending like pieces that were very much in the rotation like danny green 
in Matisse Thibel, uh, Danny Green more so, like in order to actually get to the matching salary. And so by that point in time, it becomes an exercise of, well, goodness, if I'm including all this and I got to include a young player and I, like, it's just too much. But whereas if Kyle Lowry or Andre Drummond or I, I don't, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is a bit more washed than, uh, yeah. So, so like, but like if Andre Drummond was making the mid-level exception, easy trade, easy trade, right? Because he could provide value, I think, on that type of a contract um, to one of these teams. I think that's the point I was making. Like, if Kyle Lowry was not getting paid $30 million, it would have been traded. But he's still that valuable that you couldn't work the deal out because he's actually that good. Like, needle movers, if they're getting paid properly, they're going to be tougher to move. They're not going to get bought out. You're not, you're not going to buy out a great player because why would you do that? Same thing like Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson got bought out and came and played played for the Heat, and he hit some big shots, won some regular season games, had a good game in the playoffs, but he was no longer a good player anymore. That was going to be a starter in this league. Basically, you, you, all these buyouts are always depth pieces, and like if you're a true needle mover like Kyle Lowry definitely is, you get traded or you stay on the team because you're still good. Like it's 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 not a hundred percent either way. Yeah, I think that there is a unique situation where a team has made a decision. If a team makes a decision saying, we're going to pivot, you know, you're, you're actually probably too helpful for us. We're going to win too many games and we need to pivot to the tank and you're expiring. And like the problem is that we don't usually see all of that taking place on a guy who's making 30 million. And so I think that was the unique situation with Lowry this year. And so, you know, I think that they'll, no, who knows with Toronto, this is not really a discussion on Toronto, but I, I guess as we're looking at the buyout guys, Andre Drummond, I look at as the one who is going to have the biggest potential impact, not just because I'm, I'm a, Pist- a Piston fan, right? I don't need to defend Andre Drummond anymore, but uh, with where you see him going in, being slotted as the center uh, now starting center over Marcus All over you know Montrez Harrell and all that you know, all those other guys, if if he's going in there, he's going to at, I believe at least he's gonna have more minutes than Lamarcus Aldridge is like that's just gonna happen, and so it's gonna be a matter of is he gonna be able to buy into whatever role he has, and what is that role in particular? Because I think that that's an interesting thing that that's been discussed. What is Andre Drummond going to be helpful at? Because he can do a little bit of facilitating, but if you get him too much in that regard, then you're going to have him trying a little too hard to make something happen. But he's not the vertical, as as vertical of an athlete as like a JaVale McGee was or whatever last year. He can still go up and you know get some lobs and stuff, but he's the finishing aspect isn't quite as strong as maybe some of those guys. So I am curious as to what his role is going to be, uh, and I, I just... I hope that he doesn't, in this LeBron absence, try to do too much and then find himself in the doghouse because he did too much when LeBron was away. Mm. Uh, I, I think they'll just be like, hey, listen. Just like I said with Dwight Howard last year, it's going to go great because LeBron will get the best out of everyone. But LeBron's not playing right now. Hey, he will be at some point. I wouldn't sweat this time too much. I know they can't go on a 10-game losing streak, but I don't think they will. But what if they do, and Andre Drummond is doing, you know, Andre Drummond things? 
We're not a Lakers podcast, and this is not the type of Lakers material that will get us higher in the rankings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It would just behoove us to mention. Gorgie Jang signing a deal with the Spurs. I thought he could have been helpful to a team that was actually trying. I guess the Spurs are trying. They're, they're in the playoff hunt. They're, they're looking to you know take take Lamarcus Aldridge's uh, my, negative and put Gorgie Jang and just get even, and then they'll, they'll start winning games again. Right. Yeah, I, I suppose so. That's, so, so that, that's out there, and it you know just this morning, um, Austin Rivers getting bought out, and it looks like he's going to Milwaukee to take DJ Augustine's spot. So cool. Let's talk trades, gentlemen. So I think the biggest trade, undoubtedly, just because it's an All Star being moved, um, it all uh, the whole trade deadline revolves around the Magic and what they did. And number one is Vucevic and Alfred Camito heading to Chicago for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and first-round picks um, in 2021 and 2023, and both are uh, top four protected. So, boys, Vucevic, I think, is a super fun offensive center to pair with any lead guard. I, like he's, he can shoot the three. He, he he's he's also good at rolling. He can you, in the short roll. He can still make a pass. He can you know post up um, out of it if the mismatch is there. He doesn't have to. Like, he he'll never. You never feel like Vucevic is in a hurry to do anything on offense because he has he's either like skilled enough to manage or just physically too large for whoever's guarding him to manage. Like he never has to get in a hurry. And with a guy like Zach Levine, whose playmaking is okay but not elite i think having a big target like Vuce, who like i said is never in a hurry zach levine's is going to have plenty of uh, time to read react and make proper passes without tele- telegraphing them so that's my thought i think this offense is going to be a lot more fluid now i think Lori marketing goes more to like a catch and shoot role which i think he's performed better at this year i'm going to pull his stat just to kind of confirm it in my own head but i think this really should work out well. And Laurie is shooting 38% from three this year. So yeah, him going to a, a, a catch and shoot role, even more than his pick and pop role, I think will be very helpful. Yeah. I mean, just looking at it, I think we all knew that Bruce was going to get moved. Then the players that the Bulls gave up Carter and Otto Porter Jr. Um, I with Wendell Carter, I was expecting him to take at least a little bit of improvement stuff. Cause it seems like he's a guy who has a lot of tools there. And now I kind of feel like he's going to a place that just has – he's still got bigs over there. I know they get got rid of Aaron Gordon, but I would like to see him kind of do well. And Otto Porter Jr., for me, it felt like he was a buyout candidate. Like at, at one point – I don't know if he's getting – I don't know if he already did get bought out, but I think he said he's agreed to show up at Orlando. He's like, yeah, I'll show up to Orlando and all that stuff. But And I feel like for the Bulls, you look at those picks, top four protected – I mean, seems like the Bulls are trying to tool themselves for some type of playoff runs the next few years. So I'm looking at it as, well, by the time these picks are the 21, which is obviously this year, they're probably going to be outside the top four anyways. And 23, probably going to be outside the top four. So for them at this point, it's like Vucevic, he's a, I think he's like 30, 31 right now. So they're like, let's just get a guy. He's an all-star. And probably going to have some great dribble handoff plays with him and Zach Levine. Some good pick and pops, pick and rolls. So. And you get Alfa Rukamino kind of giving you a wing player, which I've always been a guy who's been a fan of Alfa Rukamino. And just, I know they lost a wing player out of Porter Jr., but for me, it's not too much of a loss when you have Aminu coming in. 
In looking at this for Chicago, I noticed that none of us mentioned it defense. <laughs> oh, no, the defense is not going to be good. Oh, no. You look at Vooch, and this is the this is the issue where, where when we had been proponent of let's send Vooch to Boston and oh they were so close uh in in, in, in getting him. But the the discussion of all right, Vooch in the playoffs, which is you know, if we're trading him to a semi contender like Boston, then it's it's the all right, well in the playoffs when you know, are you able to defend in particular ways? Are you able because Vooch is not going to be a fleet of foot on, you know, on the perimeter. It's not. He's going to be playing in a drop defense. That's just what's going to happen. And I, from what I understand, I don't think the Bulls have been playing in that way. Uh, they actually shifted to, uh, I mean, Wendell Carter, as you mentioned, they kind of set him to the bench. So I'm glad he got, a, he's getting moved, a new change of scenery for him. Uh but they went more with Thaddeus Young at center, right? Which allows you to be more, you know, a little bit more switchable if you need to. Whereas now, I mean, Thad Young's probably still going to get some, I mean, uh, quite a bit of run. But now you've got to deal with a, a drop big in, in, in Vooch, uh, doing that quite a bit. And I don't know, I don't know. Do they have the, do they have the guys that are going to be able to defend on the perimeter in, you know, as, as they need to in a, in a drop type of coverage? Doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not gonna be good. No, it's gonna be bad. But like, they're all, it, it's it, it really is. It's not about what this team is gonna be trying to do in the future. I mean, like, I do think about Billy Donovan and him playing with Stephen Adams and Enos Cantor. And I know we had the can't play Cantor because the switch defense was definitely in vogue 100% at that point, and still is. Um, and it's it's gonna be bad. The defense is gonna be bad, Richard. I, I do think Patrick Williams is gonna be someone who in is is a helper, like like Otto Porter Jr. would have been even for um for Wendell Carter back in the day. Um, I think Troy Brown Jr., which I'm adding to the bottom of the dock, going there, he's a hustle player. He's a guy who um, should be able to contribute. He, I think he's best on, like, you know, like the more like DeMar DeRozan-sized guards than, like, the Kawhi Leonard-sized wings. But, like, he's going to be he's gonna be out there. He's a good hustle player. Hopefully, um, with, I think, a little bit better coach than Billy Donovan, we get more out of him than uh, Scott Brooks was. Um, hopefully that's not too much of a stray, but... I feel like it's fair. Like I said, defense was not the key to this trade. I think in, a, in some ways they're like, well, we're, we're trying to maximize Zach Levine and let's just get him as many weapons as we can around him. And that's the best way ori originally for us to improve. But to what end is my, is my question? Because if we're trying to maximize Zach Levine, who now knows that we've got to pay him, like we're paying him the max. Zach Levine is going to be paid the max now because Zach Levine and his agent can just go and say, hey, you just traded for Vooch. You just give up two, probably going to be in the teens. I would, you know, they're going to be in the play-in to playoff, getting run in the first round type of kind of range. So, you know. I, th I think so, well, someone I heard on a podcast were like, the, the Bulls are, make, are, are taking, they're, they're taking their chips and trying to turn into the Pacers. To be that team that's like four four through seven every year, and I I, I don't know if they're as good as the Pacers just because the Pacers I think have a little bit more of a like 
complete unit with some defensive players and some good offensive players, some good, you know, pick and roll guys, a really good ISO guy and TJ Warren when he's healthy. But like, I think that is the the pot they're trying to get into is that every, like, for, for as long as Levine and Vuce are on the team, they're in that competitive uh, stew. And I feel like this is the last point I want to make about the Bulls. It feels like this is a really big bet on Patrick Williams. Because if you think that he is going to be, I mean, if he is who they think he can develop into, then you've got Levine, you've got Vooch, you know, 30 years old, aging, right? But, you, you know, he's someone whose game is probably going to age reasonably well because of his types of skills. And, um, you know, if, if you got Kobe White, who you can, if you need to, you know, not drafted by this regime you can move him if you need to and package him and they were trying to get Lonzo right that was the that was the idea until they didn't really have the draft picks to make it happen because they went out and got Vooch so it, this seems like a better Patrick Williams and you know we'll have we'll have to see and I don't know do we need to talk about that Troy Brown Jr. trade later I mean, is there anything we just want to mention right now other than hey good good job getting him for Daniel Gafford yeah I think it's a pretty fair swap uh, that the Washington needs center help. Like they don't have a center of the future. They don't really have a center of the present. In my personal opinion, I think, I think Thomas Bryant, you know, his injury really kind of ruined, ruined what they had going for him. He's a really good offensive center, nothing on defense. I love Daniel Gafford as a high energy, big, um, I think I, I hate that he's going to break a, a break a finger when Russell Westbrook throws a, a stupid pass from two feet away into it. Um, knock on wood, but that's going to happen. So, but I, I think it's gonna be nice that Daniel Gafford's gonna get a get a lot of run now, um, where he would he was about to not get any if he stayed on the Bulls. Um, and like I talk about Troy Brown, I, I I like that I like that fit um, as as a, a effort effort efforting wing with some playmaking chops. I guess that's the last thing. And then you turned because in that trade you got Mo Wagner, you traded and you moved him for for Daniel Tice. You got Daniel Tice. That seems like a pretty big win. Yeah, you, and Daniel Tice, as much as I don't like him, just because I don't like his face, um, he's a better he's a better player than Cornette or Mo Wagner. I also don't like Daniel Tice because some idiot on the Athletic Pod at one point was talking about that that center position being a wash in the C- Celtics Heat series, and it ooh it got me angry, even though I knew it was stupid. <laughs> gotta let gotta let those ones gotta let those ones. You got yeah when, when it's that stupid, you gotta relax. So. Let's go down to the next trade, another one that involves Orlando. <sighs> the Denver Nuggets receiving Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark. And Orlando gets or received Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, a 25 first round pick that is top five protected, and it conveys to 26 and 27 with the same protection. So it kind of felt like, as much as I don't want to say this, and I don't know, Richard, correct me. It kind of seemed like Denver, by acquiring Aaron Gordon, was trying to fill the Jeremy Grant spot. Oh, yeah. And I think that they did about as good of a job as they possibly could have. Now, it's unfortunate because you had to move off of R.J. Hampton and a future first in order to, to do that. But if you look at it, you know, Aaron Gordon in his uh, size and, and strength probably helps you a little bit more as an on-ball defender against your larger wings in LeBron and, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard. Now, the biggest... Yeah, so, so, first off, 
a great trade for Denver. I, I think getting Aaron Gordon at his age, at his uh, dollar figure, which is descending, they're going to have him, I think, for one more year after this. Like, this is a no-brainer trade for Denver. It, it was a little bit, I was a little bit sad initially, like RJ Hampton, oh, man. But, you know, that's just because, you know, my my affinity for RJ Hampton. I think, I'm glad he'll go to Orlando and do some things there. Cool. Um, but I, I think it was, I can't remember, it was one of the guys from The Athletic. Um, I can't remember if it was Part Now or uh, Dufour, but they were like, hey, if you're going to, like, Gary Harris's contract, $19 million this year, $20 million next year, that's a negative value contract. And if you were to just scour the league and say, hey, we want to unload him, it would require a first-round pick probably, right? Well, so if, if, if that's kind of the value there, then you basically turned R.J. Hampton into Aaron Gordon. So that's a that's a huge win. That's a huge win for the Denver Nuggets who are wanting to compete now. The only issue now is that while Gary Harris has been a little bit, well, has been suspect as far as anything offensively uh, and as far as his health is, you know, goes, uh, you still need those defenders. And, and, and so who's defending, like, Donovan Mitchell, who's defending Dame? Who's defending those guys now where, like, I, that's a lot. And they don't have that player on the roster. That's where retaining Torrey Craig would have been really helpful just to have a defensive. He's probably, I think he's available, right? Is he available? Or Suns. Does he, does he go, oh, he went to Phoenix. Ah, all right. It's too late for that. And you, and you kind of saw it last year in, the, in that Nugget series versus the Jazz. You kind of saw that Gary Harris returning was almost what turned the series around. I mean, the way the defense he played on Donovan Mitchell was useful. I think two things for me also stick out. Um, I will say this, and this is speaking as someone who lived through the Pacers 23-2014 season where things just went south really hard. I am interested to see how team chemistry goes because sometimes with these trades, you're bringing in someone that fills a need. But if you take too hard of a hit in team chemistry, which it seems like a lot of people on the Nuggets team really, really like Gary Harris, so he was a good locker room guy. I've seen that affect a lot of teams, so I'm interested to see how they adjust. I mean, obviously, the ultimate goal is to win a championship. But then also, too, I am curious. So they're bringing Aaron Gordon. What lineup are you rolling with if you got a healthy Michael Porter Jr. and a healthy Aaron Gordon? Are, are, you, are you just shifting? Are you going to put both of them? I mean... I, I think you play them together, and Aaron Gordon just takes whatever wing is better defensively. That's what I thought, and, yeah. Because th- there's, there's nothing about Michael Porter Jr., Except for, like, Michael Porter Jr. can play almost, like, four through two in, in terms of what his offensive role is. Like, he can do all the things any of those positions ask for in a generic sense. So, he's the three, he's the four, who cares? Put him, just put him on whoever doesn't need as much attention and let Aaron Gordon go to work everywhere else. I, I think it's a phenomenal fit. Like, the Nuggets, I think, did everything they could do to improve their chances. I do agree that losing Gary Harris is um, is tough for the defensive thing. And be- even when he's not shooting the ball well, because of how good Jokic is at you know, facilitation, his cuts are that much more dynamic, and it's he can still be part of an off- efficient offense. Um, and to, to speak to the um, chemistry issues, yeah, he's been on the team for quite a while, so like he comes back, it's probably pretty easy to simulate. But – he hasn't played much this year. So, like, you're really kind of getting – you're kind of adding a guy for nothing. Like, you're not really hurting the rotation that has been developed this year other than minimizing um, Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap a little bit. 
But when it comes, you know, theoretically matching up with the Lakers, you're going to need all the fouls from all those guys if you're going to try to contain Anthony Davis. Like, you're going to need to have th- those backups. And, like, I think this is actually going to make Paul Millsap a more effective player um, by having him not carry the regular season burden as much. You know, Paul Millsap's such a smart and cagey vet. Like, him being able to, like, hold that body back a little bit, we might be able to see a little bit of some juice come back into his legs, whereas he was looking kind of washed at different points of the season. I would have loved if, on top of this, if Denver would have been like, let's move Will Barton and some more scratch, obviously they didn't really have it, for Lonzo Ball. Like, I would have preferred, like, that way you've got that guard defender, um, but... You know, that's it's, we're just not. We're, that's just it's it's an alternative reality that doesn't exist. So, um, good trade for Denver, and good on Orlando for getting R.J. Hampton and I guess a future first round pick, which twenty twenty five like it's a long way off. But at the same time, this is a young Nuggets team, so they're going to be in their primes and very good. So, mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy with this, and also that number Aaron Gordon's getting it, it could all change if we get more reporting about where that TV deal is coming through. But in theory, that number in his last year is not a horrible number to, number to build an extension off of if um, if the Nuggets can kind of finesse that. Like, I, I would feel great building an extension off that number if I'm the Nuggets. And potentially Aaron Gordon might not feel that bad about it either, depending on how the reporting goes with the new TV contract. Let's go real quick. Let's skip down to the Orlando's last trade. Um trading Evan Fournier away for uh, Jeff Teague and two seconds, which Jeff Teague got waived. Jeff Teague's been bad since the beginning um, of the season. Going back to last season, shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been picked up. Should have just stuck, stuck with Brad Wanamaker. You know, all, 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 all those things. Uh, but Boston getting Evan Fournier as a rental, which is really what this is, you can try to re-sign him, and they probably will. But if if you think about it, in if you look at just this trade, it's like okay, good trade for Boston, right? You're able to go and just get another guy who can be a part of the rotation for two second round picks that probably are going to be inconsequential. Um, for Orlando, it's it's tough. You were only able to get the Delon Wright package uh, for Evan Fournier, right? So like that's tough. But if you think about this in through Boston's lens because the way that they you know brought in Evan Fournier was through the Gordon Hayward um trade exception I think that there's still a little bit left which they can use you know during the offseason there's a specific time who knows now because the league year's all messed up but if you look at it through that lens you turned Gordon Hayward into Evan Fournier it begins to look a little less rosy for Boston. And I think that that just is shown because, I mean. Especially when you think, in my opinion, when you think about it, it could have been Miles Turner. And I know Miles Turner, Miles Turner has had a really good start to the year, had some falling off, and has been what we thought Miles Turner always has been. Solid shooter, great defender. But if I'm Boston and I have to beat a Joel Embiid or I have to beat a Bam Adebayo, I am looking at Miles Turner as being helpful in those endeavors. And Evan Fournier is good at making threes for the most part. Sometimes he's not. I I think, once again, bum Danny Ainge has been a disappointment. <laughs> wow. But, 
But they were involved in the Andre Drummond's. Oh, just just missed out on that one as well. It's always the shoulda, woulda, could. They always release like five rumors, like yeah, we were in this one, but we were trying, but just didn't work out. Danny Ainge is living like so, because the Brooklyn Nets were an incompetent franchise when he dealt away his aging stars. He gets to live in for, for I can't say the word perpetually. Um, he gets to live in the perpetuity. That's the word I was looking for as a, a great wheeler and dealer. But he's a fraud. Yeah, but I will give him credit or maybe his scouts credit for drafting Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's fair. Hey. You know, when he gets his top picks, he's done well. Yeah. When he gets his mediocre picks, he does okay. He, Terry Rozier's turned into a good player. Um, but so, at some point, you, you can't roster all these assets. You're right. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to cover, Evan Fournier, or just move on to another train? I guess we should, since we're here, it's, it's, a, it's a tiny move, but let's just mention that uh, Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett ended up in Boston after all of it. So you know, a, a two two new rotations in the uh, in the uh, bigs. Like, let's see if this works now. Um, it, I don't think it will. I mean, I guess those guys at least in theory can shoot. So you have that going for you. But um, that just seems like a. I think I think it was a money dodging move. It was. It was a hundred percent to stay out of the tax. Because mm-hmm. Tice makes more money than those two. Yep. Which is a natural transition to our next trade, where the Houston Rockets are involved, sending. Uh, Victor Oladipo to Miami. Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk getting sent to Houston, right, right? And the weirdest pick swap availability. It's basically a nothing. It's basically saying, hey, next year, uh, if Brooklyn's really good and Miami is worse than them, then we get to kind of swap picks and you move up a little bit. But yeah. Uh, probably you move from the 20, 27 or eight to the twenty four or five. Yeah, honestly, I was confused when I was writing that. I was I was looking at it, I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. But I'm guessing if that's what they put on it or that's what they want to do, they had to they had to walk away saying we got something because this all stems back to the James Harden trade when they could have just had they could have just brought in. Um, Karis LeVert and, and Jared and Allen probably Jared Allen they probably could have brought both of those guys in I think that they couldn't have brought in Jared Allen within this current construction of the trade but if they send PJ Tucker out so if you kind of just send PJ Tucker out to Brooklyn who was probably very interested in PJ Tucker then you could have had both of those guys now the PJ Tucker trade it's also kind of a weird thing in manipulation and first round picks and protections and, and stuff so that gets a little bit weird there just to kind of say that they got something. But they really if, if you if you were just to have done that, you can't tell me that Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, I mean, maybe not in Karis LeVert's situation with what ended up happening, but that wasn't known at the time, right? That wasn't known. But you you couldn't have told me that they couldn't have gotten more. And so it all just seems like their propensity to dodge the tax, which they could have done anyways if they had brought those guys in here at the deadline. They could have brought them in to move them. But they chose to go the cheap way and to say, we don't want, we definitely don't want any long-term money here. Why? Because Cheapo Fertito is running the show. I think I think the comment that I have regarding this is, yeah, like they, I, I, we said this when it happened. I said they wanted Victor Oladipo, 
because he's not they're not going to extend him and he's going to leave and they want to have cap space which means we're not close to the tax if you have cap space in the offseason you're probably not in the tax unless you're re-signing all your people um and with that in mind like that's what we said it then that's why he took oladipo like the, and i think he t- didn't take jared allen like or that the team didn't take jared allen because they are heavily investing christian wood and i feel like christian wood who is a i, I know i know you're making the face that it's it's it doesn't matter like feelings aren't that big of a deal but i honestly think they were like we don't want christian wood a guy who when he was drafted or like signed as a free agent like the off the court or like attitude things the only thing that kept him from being a higher value player and I wonder if they they were like we can't we can't upset the apple cart. He's doing so well. Keep any competition at center away from him. It's not. I don't think it's the correct way to run a basketball team, but I think that's the logic behind it. Um, but you're right. I think you could have just repackaged. Like I think a lot of teams would have taken, and you wouldn't even have to aggregate like salary because you can't do it for x amount of days. But you could have sent Jared Allen somewhere else almost immediately and gotten a better return. Like you're 100 right. The asset, the usage of these players you could have netted so much more and that's gotta be frustrating if you're a rockets fan i cannot believe so we had the discussion it's like well why did they do this move instead of just getting ben simmons locked in right well two factors the you know the upset about gerald morey you know not wanting to give james harden gerald morey and while ben simmons is a top level player ooh, i have to pay him a large salary for how long? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And so that's kind of, it, it's, again, it all stems back to Rockets ownership, Tillman Fertitta being the way that he is. And we've said it f- for a while now. And it's like, no one should be surprised about this outcome. It's, it's, it's what we would expect. And we're sorry, Houston fans. Let's talk about this now from, unless. Anything else you want to say about Houston, or should we get to Miami and Victor Oladipo? I was just there? I was just gonna get on with the Victor Oladipo aspect of going to Miami. I'll I'll say this first of all. As much as people were bringing up Victor, saying going up to other teams, saying I want to play with you. First, what I've seen from Victor beginning of the season with the Pacers, if the Heat are getting that, because he was a guy who was giving us about nineteen and six. And he was about 90% of where he was the year he made All-NBA in 2017-2018. If the Heat gets someone like that, which is, I want to see him prosper. And I hope the Heat gets someone like that. And I'm thinking in terms of the Heat, like, honestly, like, the Heat have, you know, like, bad making plays. But it almost feels like, especially watching the games without Goran Dragic, and obviously I don't watch as many Heat games as Ethan, but it seems like when, when Goran Dragic is not there, the offense feels so stagnant and stuck. Especially when like Bam isn't there to do it. But even when Bam's there, it feels so stagnant and stuck sometimes without Goran Dragic. Especially when they have Kendrick Nunn doing that ball handling. And I know that could be more because of Kendrick Nunn, who's a known ball stopper. But I see Victor, though, as a guy, if you implement into the Heat culture, I think defensively, I think you can get some good defense out of him. And I think his slashing and pick and roll playmaking is really going to help the Heat out. I think the Heat's biggest problem with offense this year, and it, it, I think there was just some some standard regression from some of our elite shooters, or like, you know, Tyler Hero has been horrible at shooting this year, and I don't think that's indicative of his career trajectory. I think, I, I think he's always going to be turnover prone, which is my biggest concern. Like I've I've always thought like he's 
probably a Jamal Crawford. He's a Jamal Crawford like right now, but how much better does he get? But the turnover problems are a huge thing. The, the, the Heat are a very pass-happy team, minus um, Kendrick Nunn. That, that's, and that's like no slight. Actually, Kendrick Nunn being an aggressive shot taker is has been helpful for the team this year, because like Dragic is when he's healthy, he's he's another guy who's always okay taking the shot. But Jimmy like probes and just kicks all the time. He doesn't like play like he did in the finals in the regular season. He's always driving, has a, a contested layup, and he'll kick it out for a contested three. Which I guess you know technically with math, it might that might work out half the time. But Jimmy Butler contested layups are a little bit better than a Max Struss or uh, gave Vincent contested three. And that's where we've been doing with most this year. I think Victor Oladipo um, running some pick and roll with Bam um, and being able to slash off some dribble handoffs, you know, opportunities. I think his aggressive shot-taking nature is going to open up a lot for this Heat team as he's going to have a decent usage and he's going to be willing to take some shots. I think his willingness to really just let it, let the ball go is going to be very helpful for this team especially as they struggle to have drag it as they have struggled to have the whole team ready this year i think his ability to just take shots is going to be super helpful and he's a better shot taker than um kendrick nunn's going to be one thing that i have kind of thought whenever we've had those non dragish minutes and non-butler minutes is the lack of um rim pressure you know you're, you're not you're not attacking the rim quite as much and even when jimmy butler does right he can he kick out right but like that's at least useful right you get the defense um in rotation and moving uh but without that then it ends up being a lot of side to side stuff with 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 this heat team and so hopefully oladipo can come in and help in attacking the rim a little bit more that that's that would be my hope if i'm a miami heat fan and i hope his defense is actually like good and not 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 you know, I guess in Houston, you're not going to see real competitive defense. No, no, so, I, And that's what I was like. That's how I felt. Like I was like, I, I had to go like I'd have to go back and watch him play on the Pacers, an actual competent for, uh, team to know how he's going to play for the Heat. And I feel I feel good about it, especially for what you gave up. I, I even though like, I didn't realize Kelly Linick was shooting 31 percent from three. And so I'm feeling like we're going to miss him a little bit. But that's what Nam DV elites is for, I guess. Although I would because I mean, he, he, I think Kelly's technically bigger, but I bet Nam has got longer arms. Wow. But I, I was going to bring up the Bielitsa trade, and uh, it kind of feels like they're like, all right, we got rid of Kelly Linick. Here's someone who can take his minutes, stretch us out at the four spot, and just put him right there. And I feel like Bo Harkless, uh, it seems like, I don't know if he was injured or his minutes just got decreased more and more. As I was looking up the box scores, that's just what I saw a lot of. Like, I didn't see him get that much playing time. And Chris Silva is a guy that's just like, let's just throw him in there to kind of bounce. Chris Silva was there just because he makes a tiny bit of money. But, like, both those guys, like, Chris Silva's playing a little bit lately just because of, like, you know, with Myers Leonard being hurt and then also saying stupid stuff, like, was no longer part of the team, getting traded. Um, Chris Silva was just, a, he's a 6'9", 6'10", body with a little bit more court discipline than our young Precious Achua. So, like, he was out there, I think, to kind of, like, he was on the court only to provoke Precious into playing better basketball because he's literally like the same athletic specs as Precious and Precious is obviously important to this team's future success or at least future asset uh, gathering. But anyway, like Mo Harkless, it, it just never clicked. I don't know if it was health because I think he was a guy who got out with COVID as well. Um, it's just, it never clicked for him. And it's sad because I love Mo Harkless. You know, he definitely 
losing him drops the level of attractiveness on our team down a lot, and I think that's very important. But you know, sometimes you gotta sacrifice beauty for some for some uh, effectiveness. Kyle Lake was shipped away, so maybe oh, it's a good point. There, it, it so. definitely balances. Um, I mean, yeah. Richard's getting in on the player hate now. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just know how you feel about it. So um, I, I don't like Kelly Olenek, even though I, I when I was see, when Lamarcus was allegedly coming here, I was like, I think Kelly Olenek's better than Lamarcus Aldridge. And I got a lot I can of pushback. Get, I can from get that. on board there. No, I, I got me... a lot of pushback in the house from that, and I'm like, I literally think he is because he can walk, like he or he can run. Lamarcus can only walk. Yeah. Wow. No, I I understand. Um, now. Let's talk about a team that Mo Harkless used to play for back in the day, Portland Trailblazers. I like that trade because uh, this one's interesting to me. Norman Powell going to Portland and Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to match salary going out. Really, this is a Gary Trent Jr. Norman Powell trade. Um, I don't view Rodney Hood as being really involved. This was one that was very interesting and curious to me. And I, 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 want to know what you guys think about it because here's my initial thoughts my initial thoughts were i really like this from toronto's perspective because you get uh toronto is in just a really difficult spot this year they've not been good and you know they are currently 11th right really easy in the east to to get in but at this moment they're out of the play-in at least right so if they were going to ship out lowry and, and go into full tank mode you know it would so like they, they could do that, but the point is Norman Powell being able to opt out and being an unrestricted free agent versus Gary Trent kind of having a more of a cap on it because he is a rest- going to be a stri- restricted free agent, that you have his rights. And I, I know Norman Powell brings an, uh, a bigger scoring element than Gary Trent Jr. does. I like Gary Trent better. I don't. I don't know if that's a mistake on my end. I, I like. I just view this as a good thing for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, and maybe you guys, because I haven't seen as many Blazers games. How do how does Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr. compare defensively? It's it's a hot button issue because I, I I've listened to several different opinions. Like you know, I listen to all the podcasts. So Nate Duncan, I distinctively remember saying Gary Trent's a better defender. And I don't agree with that. I think Norman Powell is thicker, longer arms. He is shorter, but I think he's a better defender, especially when you're talking about um, pl- guarding the best players in the league, having some versatility with how you play. Now, Gary Trent's better at taking charges, so maybe that skews my opinion a little bit because I, I, am, I am known to hate people who are decent defenders who result to that behavior. I mean, I hate people who are bad defenders that result to that behavior, so... I don't know why I threw in that caveat. Shots Blake Griffin. <laughs> but more or less, I think it's I think it's a proper challenge trade. I think this increases the Blazers' chances of advancing in the playoffs for this season. The the rub I'm having trouble with, um, even though I think Norm Powell is a better player, is that he is significantly older, and they're both likely to be free agents at the end of the season. However, Trent was an RFA, whereas Norm Powell will be an unrestricted free agent. And I'm not going to say Portland can't retain players, but Portland does not have a history of just signing players, right? Now, Norm Powell will have a, a year or, like you know, four, 
30 percent of the regular season and uh, hopefully a playoff run to kind of submit that he is here he's to be valued and then maybe the blazers will, will pay through the nose a little bit to retain him but norm powell's been having a great year and he's a fun player to watch in my opinion i worry that they blew a chance to retain like i, I do think again again norm powell a little bit better gary trent could still surpass him because he's that much younger and a restricted free agent i think it wasn't a great asset allocation play unless you can retain norm powell for a failed fair deal it all comes back to they shouldn't have traded two first round picks for robert covington they should have just drafted sadiq bay and then they would have had more ammo to trade around with and then i also instead of buying the uh the damian lillard earned edition jersey i could have got the sadiq bay earned edition jersey and i would have been happier I'm so happy. Damian Lillard's fantastic. But if I could have had a Sadiq Bay Portland jersey, I would have um, been stoked. But I'm sure I'm sure Richard has no problem with what actually happened, though. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm very Have happy. you got your Sadiq Bay jersey yet, Richard? I have not yet. I have All not right. Yet. Well, Sorry. when's your birthday? I don't remember. It's in November, so we're a little ways away. But, um, don't the... be hasty is what I would say. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> the one 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 other aspect of this, then they can move on. Hopefully, this doesn't take too much time. Is uh, someone mentioned a little, little, little bird in my ear saying, "What if this Norman Powell move?" Because it seems uh, again a little bit duplicative with CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum. I I don't I don't know. Is this a potential? Let's move on. Is this a potential exit? Is what I'm saying. After this year, if we retain uh, that, that was a hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. This is what this is. Like Norm Powell can definitely slide into a CJ McCollum, not roll, not that good, but it definitely enables this team that if there is a big power forward or a, like a versatile wing available, it definitely enables the Blazers to think about moving on. Um, it, Cause Norm Powell is of the age where he's ready to contribute to a Dame Lillard timeline. And if they could get a wing that's really good, I mean, like, I, it's just one of those things that they're so good in the backcourt, and it would just be so nice to have a three or a four that is, like, a really good scorer and also solid defender. It would just be nice. Um, but I, I, it's all it's all, it's all, all tough. That's for the offseason. It was, it was a curious thing for me to hear. The, the big um, thing is Norm Powell does not change the Blazers' rotation. It merely is a swap. He's going to play the three. The same way Gary Trent is. The one thing is, when if Dame or CJ are ever out off the court at the same time, Norm Powell is way better at creating offense for himself than Gary Trent would be. Gary Trent was just either hot or not because he would do the little one dribble and then I have a quick release, haha. <laughs> he wasn't getting to the rim without a lot of screen help. Now, time for some really small potatoes trades, in my opinion. In my opinion, um, Lou Williams going to Atlanta. Uh, for a couple of seconds in cash, I suppose. The Lakers getting Rajon Rondo. Sorry, Clippers, thank you. What did I say? Something stupid? Lakers? Oh, well. <laughs> Tough for the Clippers. I don't like Rajon Rondo. This is this is not a, like, I just don't really see this as being helpful. I mean, it, the writing was on the raw wall when Luke Kennard signed that deal, but... It... <sighs> we, we just have to remember that as stupid as it is, and it doesn't make sense, playoff Rondo has been a thing. And I, I just can't rule it out because last year 
like I think I think if you if you if you were to take Rondo off that Lakers team last year, I w- even with all the injuries that also occurred on the Heat, I would have liked the Heat's chance a lot better. But Rondo ate up a lot of a lot of minutes for the Lakers and played really well. I just don't know what problem he solves for this Clippers team what, in the playoffs. Like, what what problem does he actually solve? I th- I think he solves your Kawhi-less minutes. I th- I think I think having a guy who is going to make make everyone else's lives a little bit easier, when because like Patrick Beverly doesn't do that. Lou Williams um, made Lou Williams' life easier because he could get away from people. But Rajon Rondo is a better defender than Lou Williams. That can't be argued. Yes, just when he has effort, he's he's a better defender. And if he if he's creating some shots for other people. Like I think I think it's a marginal upgrade. It's not it's not it's not world changing. It is small potatoes as you said, but it's definitely it's definitely an upgrade in my opinion. Okay, any thoughts on that one? Again, small potatoes trade. Nah, not really much. I don't see it having that big of an effect on the Clippers. Tell you, I, part of me feels like they just want to get a want to get a mole in there, in there. Want to get someone who knows the way the Lakers play and function. In case of playoffs, this is the team that I wish went for um, uh, George Hill. This is the team that I wish went for George Hill and was able to get to because I think George Hill is a much better fit there. I think can do like the reason why Patrick Beverly is a helpful person for this team is he doesn't need the ball in his hands. You got wings that are going to have the ball in their hands more. You need someone who can space and defend. Patrick Beverly at least can do that. And I think George Hill, George Hill does a sub semblance of that, but also can bring some ball handling to it as well, which Patrick Beverly really isn't going. So like, I wish that that happened. I like that move for Philly as a, um, you know, them getting him, obviously Tony Bradley, they, they send him away, uh, you know, but Bringing George Hill in, I think, is a, again, semi-small potatoes move, but one that is more needle-moving than than Rondo. Um, so I, I like that for uh, for Philly. Just want to say that. No, I, I love I, – you know it's the trade deadline when George Hill is getting moved. <laughs> Man, poor guy. But I mean, he, at least he makes—he's almost guaranteed to make the playoffs almost every year because he somehow ends up on a playoff team every time. And I think the last small potato ones is just JJ Redick, Nikola Milly going to Dallas. But that's one of those things. Very small potatoes. <sighs> Get more shooting to Dallas. That's about it. Yeah, I—I'm happy. I'm happy for that move. Like just to like. Shake, like you know, shake it up a little bit and deal. But I mean, JJ Redick has been horrible this year, and I've never liked his attitude. So why not? Yeah, my question here with Dallas is: okay, we need shooting. Why not literally get Wayne Ellington for a crappy second-round pick? Like we would, we would have taken that because we didn't have anything available, right? We would have, we would have done that if you're the Pistons, and then use James Johnson's matching salary to do I don't know anything else get any other player that that maybe could have been had on this market. I just, I didn't really care for this in Dallas, especially because guess where J.J. Redick wants to be? In Brooklyn. So, uh, like, I, I don't know if he's going to come in 
I mean, he'll come in because that's what he does. But he's been injured. He, I, I don't, I just don't necessarily see this as being a helpful trade um, for anybody. You know, like the, the the Mavericks right now are, I think, like 19th in the league in three-point shooting. So theoretically, if JJ Reddick can regress on the positive trajectory, we are we're looking at a guy who could help bring that up a little bit. Maybe get this team back to like you know not record-breaking, but a solid, a solid offensive team again. And I think that, I think that's good. Like them getting Nicola Melli and JJ Reddick, they're getting two better players. They gave up the picks to do it, but like Dallas having a couple extra guys who can make some threes is 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 a net positive. When we're talking about them upsetting someone in the playoffs, like or you know, preventing from being upset if they continue to climb the standings. I think it's a great deal. I just think, again, you, there had to have been cheaper shooters out there that, that, that were available. Again, I just go to Wayne Ellington because I'm a Pistons fan, and I know his, like, his availability and what it would have cost. I'll say this. like Wayne Ellington doesn't get people excited. J.J. Redick, at least people love him or hate him. Yeah. Guess, guess, guess who's been better this year? Wayne Ellington. So, hey, this is just putting. Hey, I, I'm now I'm curious, and this is. I wonder how many white guys this team has on the roster now. All of them. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of fifteen.